I tell you what, I miss one week and I don't even know when it's my turn anymore. Sorry about that. So thankful to, to Roy Smalling, who uh, preached last week, gave me the week off so that uh, I could be at home and so that you didn't have to be with me, which I know some of you appreciated that. But I tell you, as a preacher, it is really, I heard an amen on that. It is an uncomfortable thing to watch somebody else preach. I mean, I love to watch people preach, but when I know I'm supposed to be the guy doing it, it feels really funny. But Roy did a great job, and I'm so thankful to him for what he did. And tonight, we're continuing on thinking about leaders, particularly from the Old Testament. And tonight, we talk about the leaning leader. Now, typically, when you think about a leader, what you want to portray is strength and power and, and being impenetrable, that nothing can get through. You know, you're like Superman, and you know, any bullet that would come toward you, you would be able to block. You'd be able to protect, and, and nothing could get you down because you are so strong, and you are so wise, and you are so much better than everybody else that people are drawn to you. That's what a world leader looks like or wants to look like. That's why all those movies, Marvel movies, are so popular. That's what we want, a superhero almost. But that is really not what a godly leader looks like. A godly leader is a leaning leader, is one that leans on God and realizes that they are filling a role that for whatever reason God has put them in, but the power is not them. The power is God. And all they're doing is being the mouthpiece for what God is wanting. And so tonight we look at one of those leaders, and that leader in this case is David. Go to 2 Samuel 22, verse 1, and it says this, David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Now, you're not going to find this just in 2 Samuel chapter 22, but you're actually going to find the same words in Psalm 18. It's repeated twice in the Bible. And so when Tim read our scripture tonight, he was reading from Psalm 18, words that you could have found in 2 Samuel chapter 22. This is early on in David's career, so to speak, and one thing that leads us that way to think that is because it says that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, which was right there in the very beginning. So understand that when David wrote this, he still had a lot of living to do, but still we would say David was an incredible king in so many ways. He was considered the greatest king, although possibly Israel for a brief time reached a greater height during the time of King Isaiah. You remember in Isaiah, it says when King Isaiah died and Isaiah had the big vision, that King Isaiah was an incredible king. But when you consider what David did from beginning to finish and consider that Jesus is through the lineage of, of David, then David was definitely the greatest king ever on the face of the earth of any country of any place. And what is so incredible about David in this passage especially is he recognized the source of his power. That he is not taking claim that it's me, look what I did, look how great I am, look, look everybody at me because I'm greater than all the world powers. It's not at all what you see from David, especially in this passage tonight. Now, there are a lot of verses to look at tonight, so we'll read them fairly quickly, and we couldn't put it all, I couldn't put it all in because, because it's long, but certainly go back and read all of them. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, in verses 3 through 7, David says this, the Lord is my rock 
my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. He is my refuge and my savior. From violent people you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice, my cry to his ears. Wow, that's powerful. That doesn't necessarily sound like a lot of world leaders these days. That is saying, oh, my refuge and my rock is God. That is who I depend on. It is God that has led me through all these difficult times in my career and through my life. It is God that has heard my voice. Wouldn't it be great to follow a leader like that who depends on God? He's saying that God provided all the protection that I had. David had or I had or you had. It is all God. No matter what was going on, it was God who provided. He doesn't give credit to the armies that were under him. He doesn't give credit to his friends that maybe like Jonathan that, prov- that devised a plan. Who gets the ultimate credit is God. And this isn't just for David. Understand it's for us. If you are watching tonight online or if you are in this live audience, the reason that you are still breathing tonight is because of God. Whatever you have, because the car that you drove in to get here or the computer or television you're watching on tonight, it is because of God. Whatever we have is because of God. So whether you consider yourself a leader or you consider yourself a follower, the blessings are from God. He goes on in verses 12 through 19. He, being God, made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the, presence of, out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and he scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord at the blast of the breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. And do you hear those things that he's saying there? You know, earlier I was talking about those superheroes. Doesn't that almost sound like a movie when he's explaining that? And there are these thunderbolts coming and I'm down in the water and he's lifting me up and all those things happening. He says, that's, that's what it was like. And obviously he's speaking figuratively here, but he's saying, that's what it was like. When God rescued me in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my distress. And so obviously, probably none of us have been in the midst of some kind of terrible storm. Maybe you've been in a hurricane that was really scary or a tornado or something like that. But you've been in the midst of storms, haven't you? And the only place to turn was God. And the only place to say thank you really was to God. Whatever it was, financial distress, distress in your family, whatever it is, it was God who was there in the midst of it 
And it's the reason, once again, that we're still here. You see, God saves, but it's not always as gentle as I imagined it would be. You know, whenever you think about you stand, I've done weddings for several couples, and we'll stand right here, and, and they'll be here's where most of our weddings are that are in the church building. And, and you know, I'll do premarital counseling with a couple, and I'll say, you know, there will be tough spots, and they giggle, yeah, yeah. And I'll say that, you know, there'll be times you won't get along. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. And they just can't imagine it. And I'll say there are going to be some difficult, probably some difficult financial times. You're like, oh, yeah. And we talk about that. And, oh, there'll be health. Yeah. And we go through all those things. And it's just kind of, (laughs) they don't know. They can't visualize yet what is in front of them. And so they're imagining their marriage is going to be different than every other marriage. And I'll say, there will be some times you disagree. You'll have some humdingers. Oh, yeah. They can't imagine yet. David sees something maybe that he might have thought was so gentle and wonderful. Sometimes whenever people are are baptized into Christ and we talk about the Christian life, we say, you know, there will be challenges. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, it's going to be difficult and there are going to be temptations that drag you down and the devil's going to be after you and and life is going to be after you and all these things we say. And, yeah, yeah, I know. And then it happens. And then it happens and maybe instead of turning toward God, they turn away from God. Sometimes couples even do that, right? Instead of turning toward God, they turn away from God in the midst of all of it. Not always, but sometimes. But God will save. It just won't always be as gentle as what we have imagined it would be. And then in 2 Samuel 22, in verses 21 and 22, David says, excuse me, the Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me, for I have kept my ways of the Lord, kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. This is a little aside that we need to talk about for just a minute. (laughs) We talk about, I'm doing all the talking, right? (laughs) But this is something we need to think about for a few minutes. Because now it sounds like what David is saying is the Lord is blessing me because I do all these right things. Because my hands are so clean, he blesses me. Now understand that if this is early on in his life, he has not gone through that terrible situation with Bathsheba and Uriah yet. And there will be other things like counting his men and other things that were against God. And so there are times that David is going to sin that we know David is not only considered the the greatest, he is also considered the most notorious for his sin. Just as Babe Ruth had the most home runs and had the most strikeouts, right? David had some sins that were well known just as well as being a man who was known as having the heart after God, like God's or after God's own heart. And so what does he mean when he says this? Is he right when he says what he's saying here? Well, it is true that God does bless his followers. It is true. For example, in the New Testament, it says in Matthew 16, 23, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. It does say that. And it says things similar to that throughout the Gospels. 
But then we talk about this reward thing, and all at once it becomes kind of difficult because then we say, or the preacher says, well, you can't earn your salvation, but then there's this reward. Well, the way I've always understood reward is whoever runs the fastest. It's whoever throws the most home runs. It's the most touchdown, or hits the most, hey, what did I say? Throws the most home runs? It's COVID brain, right? Whoever hits the most home runs, whoever throws the most touchdowns, that's who wins, right? So what is he saying here? Well, there is definitely a reward. So what do I do to deserve salvation? I can kind of make a list for people out in the world. I could make a list that would make me look fairly good compared to what some people do. I mean, I go to church on Sunday morning and even on Sunday night. I teach a class on Wednesday night. That sounds like I'm a pretty holy guy. And I understand, as you know, that you can be very unholy and do all of those things. But I try to help people who are, who are hurt or in, having issues just like you do, all the things you do. I pray all those things. But yet I know at the end of the day that I'm a sinner. And I know at the end of the day that I don't deserve salvation for those things at all. Even though I could count them up and I could tell you some good things that I do. So what is it that I could do to deserve salvation? This is it. Depending and repenting. Depending on God and repenting when I fail him is all that I can do to deserve salvation. When I say, I'm leaning on you, Lord. Whenever I say, Lord, I'm so sorry, take me back. It's like what we were talking about this morning. It is as we're thinking, Lord, save me. It's repenting and saying I've sinned and coming back to depend upon God again. That's all I can do because I can't save myself. I don't have enough power to stand up against the evil of the world. I don't have that kind of power to do anything like that. I'm just me. I mean, I can't even stand up to a cheeseburger. I mean, think about it. It is depending on God and repenting. That's all we can do. We just say, here I am, Lord. And he does the rest. Well, leaders lean on God for the future. It's not just for the past, and it's not just for the present. It's for the future. You know, one of the signs of a dying church are churches that talk about what we used to do. And it's fun to remember the past, and it's fun to take a little time to do that. And the church we came from had a history corner in the building that was a lot of fun to look at. But if all we do is remember the past, we have no future. Leaders or followers have to depend on God and lean on God if there will be a future. So in 1 Samuel 22, verses 47 through 51, this is what David says. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, the rock, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man, you rescued me. 
Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to the anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. It's about forever. It's not just praising God for what he's done in the past. It is praising God for what he will do in the future. It is so hard to figure out the future, isn't it? We always kind of think we know. And in the past, it might have been more predictable than it is today because things are moving so quickly. And things that I would have never dreamed that it would be mainstream are mainstream right now. Just hard to imagine. But what I know is God will still be active and God will still be alive no matter what is going on in the world. That does not change. And so the real leader and the real follower doesn't just throw it all in and say it doesn't matter anymore. The real leader and the real follower says, Lord, I'll still be depending on you in the future. It does not matter. If we are down to one, being, being me, I will still lean on you. If everybody else goes away, I will lean on you for the future. God is in control. So my question for us tonight, what's my source? You know, every once in a while I talk to people that are in the midst of crisis, whatever the crisis may be. Oh, it could be a marriage, it could be health, it could be financial, it could be so many different things. And almost always I say, are you praying? Have you been praying? I'm guessing it's less than 20% say yes. This is from Christians. I'm too, I'm too upset. I just can't. The source is over here. And we're missing the source. It's like saying when someone's sick, this, saying when someone's sick, you say, are you taking your medicine? No. <laughs> and why are you sick? Remember when my, my granddad was living he had a little bit of a heart problem. The doctor gave him pills, and he wouldn't take the pills because he thought they were too small. <laughs> Should have given it to him in a horse pill. He would have been happy, right? Sometimes we walk away from the source of what will make us well, even Christians. People say, I can't go to, I can't go to worship, can't even watch worship because, you know, I'm just too upset. And we walk away from the source of what will bring the healing. The one that will be the salve, in the, the salve on our wounds in the midst of our pain. No wonder we're hurting. So tonight, what I encourage all of us to do, whether you're watching online or you're in our audience, is to put God first and see the source. Lean on God in all situations. Maybe you're ready to be baptized today, tonight. We had a baptism after, after our late service today, after most people were gone. Maybe you're ready to be baptized into Christ and maybe you need prayers or write us at elders at mcoc.org and folks will pray for you. We'll pray for you here in, the, in this auditorium tonight. Come tonight as we stand and sing.